Can you name a city that hosted a game at the 2002 World Cup? Should we say Tokyo? Out straight away. Whoa! Oh, one of the greatest answers of all time. OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now then we have uh, much to discuss on Wednesday Night Rugby not least Mary All Blacks 32 Ireland 17 in Hamilton this morning very happy to say Liam Toland waiting patiently for us Liam hello how are you doing Joe and Fiona Hayes you're there Fiona I'm here Joe I am indeed so sometimes, Liam, you get an early feeling about what a tour in New Zealand is going to be like. And between the injuries and the defeat this morning, you're starting to think this is going to be a bit of a slog. Well, you kind of look back to the autumn series when Ireland had a wonderful victory over the All Blacks. And I just felt after that game that the All Blacks looked tired, obviously, uh, being in the bubble for six months. But I thought they relied enormously on skill set and not physicality. And Ireland relied on a huge amount of unit skills, huge amount of individual skills and enormous physicality. And today we kind of got the reverse. We got a Maori side that you really don't know for sure how it's going to perform. We can talk about the skill set that they displayed, which is wonderful. But foremost, the, the Maori pack really dominated the Irish selection tonight, or this morning, should I say. Um, and once Ireland started to lose that physicality, it became really, really tough for players to shine individually and to shine as subunits and then ultimately as units. And uh, you couldn't but kind of applaud the, the tries you saw. But there's, you can explain from an Irish point of view how those tries were conceded uh, and their disappointing aspects of it. And it does raise the big question, what's Andy Farrell's outcome for this fixture? It's always a kind of test his players for future tests. But for me, it's testing his players for the elite level that they find themselves in. Some guys stood up and some guys struggled. Fiona, what's your overall takeaway in this morning? Yeah, I was very disappointed, Joe. Um, up early, packing. I'm, I'm flying over uh, tomorrow morning, so uh, <laughs> I'm not as excited as I was this morning for the game. But look, it's it's not the be-all and end-all. Obviously, it's kind of a B-side that went out there, but it, they just look tired started really well the biggest thing that upset me was the discipline and the lack of changing things throughout so they brought line speed at the start Joe but they never fixed that and there was a lack of leadership I felt in the pack as well so it was just the errors were were disappointing some guys put in good performances but in general and overall the team as a whole there wasn't very much connection there and it's the first game of the series and Saturday will be very very different but Liam is right on the physicality front a lot of players lacked that and looked a bit tired too Mm. So the line speed point is interesting and let's talk Ireland's defence against this brilliant Maori attack and Andy Farrell I should say did come out and say the Maori's 100% deserved the win and he paid tribute to their skill set. So Liam to my more untrained eye first half there was definitely a big emphasis on line speed from the Irish defence and it seemed the Maori skill set and organisation was such that they got out to the edges pretty routinely all the same. Yeah there was a few things that I, I suppose the All Blacks have always, um, when the Lions came, uh, the great Sean O'Brien team and, and, and Conor Murray and that a few years back, one of the things that were the All Blacks then was how to how to navigate the the kind of the Sean Edwards style of defence, that right in your face. And uh, the All Blacks in that tour devised a couple of ways of playing the ball back inside to try and um, 
narrow the, the Lions' defence. And I saw a bit of that by the Maoris today. They, yes, they went on the edges, and you're right, Joe. But an awful lot of time, the first receiver, be it a forward or a back, actually hunted for the line and then passed back inside. And there, were, there was, I don't know, maybe there was definitely multiple tackles made in that sense. The Irish line defence was really, really positive in the opening quarter, no doubt about it. And it made the, the fixture contest. I suppose what opened up the fixture was the tactical kicking was a bit loose. And then you started to see a disjoint in how the defensive system works. So uh, probably a good example of that would be um, when you, you saw on the third try, you saw um, Joe McCarthy coming out of his line uh, on the 27th minute when for Sullivan's try. Um, that was actually the second try, sorry. It was inside, just outside the New, New Zealand 22. And Joe McCarthy flew up off the line and the rest of the Irish defenders inside and outside didn't. And all of a sudden there was a hole and then Ioni uh, went outside uh, Bundy Aki, didn't he? And ultimately there was a try. So you could see in the start there was a unity of effort. And as the game ebbed away, so did that unity of effort. And there was a bit of unknown unknowns and people were doing slightly different things. And and I thought the New Zealand or the Maori back three were just sensational in how they actually exploited that. But initial. Certainly the Maori out half Ioni was hunting inside as much as he was outside, I think, to try and neutralise the Irish defensive system. There was this period for people who didn't see the game, Fiona, I'm conscious people are mm. up and at work. So it was OK for the first maybe 27, 28 minutes. You would say Ireland were getting to grips with things. But that period, the 10 minutes before half time, where... On 29 minutes, it was 10-8. And then Sean Stevenson scored that try. And that was where the Merry All Blacks went the length of the pitch and the ball almost hit the deck and player kind of kicks it back up. And they cut Ireland to pieces, really. And then two minutes after that, there was a scrum where the Maoris pushed Ireland back maybe 10 metres on the Irish 22. And you were getting a bit worried. Then Ireland kept kicking the ball away, seemed under a lot of pressure. There was Mary pressure in the Irish 22. Brad Weber went over. And then there was another try just on the stroke of half time. Again, the length of the pitch. Sean Stevenson beat a couple of players, Coombs and Prendergast, I think, and Casey was scrambling yep. as well. So at that stage, you were just kind of, oh my God, we're just being ripped open here. Those tries from deep. So Lee mentioned some of the Irish kicking and maybe the kick mm. chase. And then you're kicking to this extraordinary backline and then being cut asunder. Give us your perspective on all that. Yeah, first of all, I have to compliment Saren Sullivan. I thought he everything he touched in full back, he was absolute gold today. You know, his footwork. But one thing that really disappointed me was was the kicking game that we did play. The Murray Brack tree in the backfield didn't even have to move sometimes to catch that ball. It was when we were kicking the ball, it was almost in front of them and they were coming onto the ball, attacking us immediately. We never really put it in behind. We we used Jimmy O'Brien a lot. Um, he probably hasn't kicked as much for Leinster this season and it definitely showed up and it's where we got killed really a lot of the time when we had the ball and we gave possession away like that. Um, look, it's, it's, they were, the Murray battery were excellent in attack, as I said, but it was just, it was really disappointing Joe in, in how we played in that 10-15 minutes period before halftime I think um, we got in the wrong side of uh, Wayne Barnes especially early on and that's got to do with that line speed we, we 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 only gave away maybe about three penalties but he had called you know offside about four to five different times and we never really did the back line and the whole attack never our, our defence never really fixed that and it seemed to rattle them a little bit and then we gave away a scrum penalty so it was almost like when our 
Ireland got the ball, there was there was like a lack of leadership at time, and especially in the pack. I, I, I remember watching the game before half time and Craig Casey going over, talking to the pack, almost like a pack leader. And and you have your nine doing that, you were wondering what was really going on. Look, it was it was inventive it was really good rub, running rugby by the Murray but it was almost like Ireland weren't it fell asleep for those 15-20 minutes and they were really really punished by that by that team yeah and anyone who's going home to watch the tries I mean they're a joy to watch I mean like the headline is like the Marys are a joy to watch but Liam your perspective on the Irish kicking game and then the efforts to try and stop that Mary uh, running game from deep because we're like uh, some of these tries are far too similar for Ireland's uh, defensive liking yeah, and I think there's a number of elements to that, Joe. Like, if you change, like, for me, 8, 9, 10, 12 in Irish jerseys stood up in many ways. I thought the pack struggled. If you if you put, like, Ian Henderson into the pack, and if you change yourself, I thought Kean Prendergast, for example, I thought he, he's a fine footballer, but as a, as a brutal blindside wing forward, uh, he's not kind of that physical guy. So if you change that physicality around, you're going to get a different outcome. And then when you're making hits, you're going to get a different outcome. But the kicking game, the, the the first defender typically fell off the tackle. Now, you have to give huge kudos to the Maori back three, Sullivan in particular, as Fiona has mentioned. Like he's catching the ball and he's breaking three, four tackles. That shouldn't really happen. Mm. And it, it shouldn't, it most likely won't happen on Saturday. That means that that ball is pretty much killed inside the New Zealand out half inside the New Zealand half, sorry. And all of a sudden, you're now forcing them potentially to kick. But they get front football and then their skill set, even in those atrocious conditions, are a wonder to watch. So small changes in personnel. And that goes back to why I mentioned at the beginning, what's Farrell's outcome? Was he testing players for future tests? Because an awful lot of that team won't be, on that criteria, won't be playing on Saturday if they were available to pick. Really, it's testing those players in an elite touring environment to ask those questions. And you could see certain players are naturally used to that environment and other players have to grow into it. And that's expected. And like from the outset, if you had asked me last week, I would have said if Ireland get two wins, one against the Maori and one against the, the All Blacks, two from five, I think that's a phenomenal return. Now you have to factor in injuries and all that sort of stuff. But I think that there was a number of ingredients to why Ireland struggled with the return of the Maori back three. The line speed wasn't unified. The first hit fell off that hit and allowed momentum. And you have a player in, in Sullivan who was extremely hungry. Like a player that, like you'd like to see again, Garden Bashup. I don't know. He looks like a lad who was, who, just, who wasn't burdened by playing at an international mm. level. We didn't get to see a huge amount of him, but boy, that guy looks pretty cool. And and, and the amount of times an all-black player or a Maori player carried and won that extra yard mm. and got his hands free and was able to dictate the terms in, in terms of, we talk about offensive defence. There was very little of that today from the Irish team. Mm. So, Fiona, you mentioned uh, fatigue and it did look that way. And I guess there's a range of theories, so... Keith Wood was on the AM show. He was talking to Owen in the immediate aftermath and he was saying, well, maybe just a, a couple of guys, like we had five debutants, uh, for instance, yeah. in this game, but maybe there's a bunch of guys who suddenly realised what international pace rugby is about. And so that was uh, maybe where we were found wanting. Or you mentioned fatigue. I mean, this is always the inverse of the Southern Hemisphere sides coming up to the Northern Hemisphere in November where they're tired after a long season. I mean, 
maybe the, the worry would be that we see a certain fatigue after a long season and a disappointing end to the season for lots of these players that, you know, with the view to Saturday, you kind of hope it's, it's Keith Wood's fear that it's just some of these guys who aren't used to, uh, you know, top level elite international rugby as opposed to a certain fatigue which might be hanging over the squad. And I guess we're going to find that out over the coming weeks. Yeah, we will find it out. And you know what? Like it, it's it's going to stand to these guys. You spoke of Prendergast. He probably we did, we saw him play a good season with Connacht. We didn't. I didn't see much of him today, but I know his ability to do that. And they have to get in there and play these games to be able to grow into international rugby. Obviously, the errors and the discipline is something you can look at. And the cohesion wasn't there. But if you like, I'm sure Andy Farr is going to go back and look at all the individual performances. And a few guys really put their hand up. I thought Casey was very good. I thought Coombs put in a, a really good shift at eight as well. So it's just trying to get that cohesion. And we weren't going to see it in the first game. I think when it comes to Saturday, it's going to be really different. And you know what? That fatigue sets in when things aren't going right. If Ireland can start well and get on the front foot on Saturday, you'll see a different type of performance. And that's the funny thing about rugby. It's it's kind of a mindset at times. And, and we saw with that team today, once things went before halftime, when things kind of started to go bad, they just didn't have the, the gas to pull it out and they didn't have the mentality or they probably didn't have the leadership at times to, to be able to get back up that pitch. I mean, the mm. second half, they started really well, but they just couldn't get over that scoreline, Joe. Yeah. Lee Marland in November, full of energy against New Zealand. I mean, they were popping from minute one. Are you worried of a certain fatigue? Here we are six, seven months later. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. I, I just don't think that. I think this is a timely reminder of when an all-black team, be it a Maori or a, the Test side, fundamental like a Kilkenny hurling team at their best, they'll beat you up and then they play hurling. All Blacks will beat you up. I don't mean violence or I don't mean uh, filthy play, although we saw a bit of that from time to time down the years. But I thought the All Black team that came to Dublin last time relied on total skill set and were beaten because they didn't meet us physically. I think this All Black team is going to meet us physically. And if, if there's one window into that, uh, the Maoris, like you look at, say, the, the, the open side, Harmon, like the the physicality he brought to his ball carries, the Irish team didn't, the Irish back row with the exception of Coombs didn't. Um, I think that that's going to be well evident that the Irish team are going to understand the environment they're going to go into and they're going to expect it and they're going to have to bring that physicality. But the player difference from this team today versus Saturday is enormous. You know, you think of guys who are left at home, Jack O'Donoghue. Like for me, Jack O'Donoghue would have, would have really reveled in that environment. He's not there. I think Ross Maloney also is unlucky to not be there. So you, there's definitely a hint from Farrell's selection that he understands that some of these players aren't there. They may never get there. But you've got to credit Farrell and his team, uh, his selection team, for selecting these players. Now, I do feel terrible for Jack O'Donoghue as an example. But you can understand the logic of what Farrell is trying to do. Mm. I think all bets are off for this Saturday because I think the Irish players will understand that the New Zealand team they played last autumn is going to be much more physical this time. And if you allow them to dominate that, then the skill set, like they did in the World Cup, the skill set can open you up. So I think the trenches, the offensive defense, like, and there was all this stuff about Ireland's performance today, like, like Tom O'Toole, who's at this level really for the first time, like he went into it, he carried a ball, he, he was he was popped a ball, he was outside, he was a little tip on, he received it, he went into contact, he 
pumped his legs, he hit the deck, and the ball bobbled out off the deck. Like, that minor stuff is unforgivable at this level because the ball bops over and you have a turnover. Like, a tighted prop shouldn't hit the deck and place the ball as he did and allow it to squeeze away. So there was errors in the game. Like, like uh, Weber's try came from an Ireland line-out free kick because uh, referee lost patience in what Ireland were doing in the defensive line-out. That resulted in try. So there's those types of errors that I wouldn't expect Ireland to have on Saturday. Mm. But basically... If they if they go in and are dominated physically, then it's going to be a similar outcome. Yeah, I think that's really. And I, I don't mean to get. I, I don't really to throw all the tactics and knowledge and skill and intelligence out of our game. But what we do have, we're in New Zealand. We're we're playing against a wounded beast in many cases. Yeah, and if we don't stand up to that beast. Um, then it could be a tough day. No, I, 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 I think I think you're right. As you're talking there, uh, Fiona, what I'm thinking of is when Ireland win in Chicago, and then two weeks later we see the mother and father of all responses from New Zealand, and people remember that tackle on Robbie Henshaw. I mean, they, wounded beast is the phrase Liam used. They arrived into Dublin, and there was just no chance, no chance they were losing the game. They did like if they would sooner have the game abandoned and and descend into a fight <laughs> than lose that game. And so I'm thinking of that same mindset, except they've had seven months to get angry and they've had seven months of hearing about this thing. So uh, I suspect he's right about Saturday, uh, physical test and plenty of it. Yeah, there's going to be a fierce physicality. I think, uh, you know, watching it today, I didn't expect, you know, I thought, um, you know, maybe that they might continue their their offloading game there, but they you can see that they're a wounded beast. I know it's a completely different team, separate coaches and everything, but that's been in their mind for seven months, even the loss to France. This is this is a team that, a country that eats, sleeps, breathes rugby and to, and to go back after those losses, I would imagine wasn't a pretty thing and their media can be quite harsh on them. So, so they've been building up to this and they were dominant in the super rugby as well. And you can just see that they're exceptionally focused. I thought they, even the Maori, the Hakka, they stood together after it finished. They looked really, really really focused and it it kind of was um lovely gesture by Bundyaki and everything but you could see that their their game faces were on mm. and it wasn't it was it was quite worrying from the start even though Ireland did Bundy got up and made a massive hit I thought okay we're getting into this game but it, they were just controlled their kicking game was really good and and what impressed me and what I'm worried about at the weekend if Ireland can't slow down that Rock ball. I know Fogarty spoke about it at, on, on Sky Sports at half time that it's an area they were really, really disappointed in. The Maoris were getting that. Um, you know, we talked about Leinster ball, how quick it was all season, but we, we saw how, how damaging it can be with this Maori team. Ireland could not slow down that ball. There wasn't even a bite there to get that turnover at any stage really throughout the game. And, and we saw just when they get that fast ball, they're constantly on the front foot. And that's why their carries were so dominant as well, because Ireland were, were, were getting folded open and exactly like Liam said they were coming back inside then they weren't playing same way rugby so for a defence to get set and come up and hammer that as the game goes on it gets really really difficult so there's definitely I'm sure Farrell is going to go, go back to the drawing board and although the Maori as I said are coached differently I think we will see a lot of similarities in, in how they're going to play because they've, they know how Ireland play and they saw the weaknesses that opened up in systems today anyway mm. Kieran Frawley at 10 Liam I thought he was very good um, like he definitely is very comfortable on the game line. Uh, certainly in the opening 10 minutes or so, uh, when he had a reasonable platform to play with, he was very keen to get on the game line. He had a variety in his game. He was comfortable in the physical environment. Um, and I thought he looked good. 
as as the platform in front of him kind of dissolved a little bit, I don't think Ireland were playing much rugby from for for lots of that game. So, but mm-hmm. the, when Ireland were had some sort of a parity of possession, I thought he did really really well. I thought he, I, I think he's a really good player. We got to be conscious that he's not played a whole lot as as a ten. Uh, he's had very little experience at the highest levels as a ten. So I thought he did really really well. And you and I have discussed. Um, the challenges of the second choice out half over the running weeks and where Carberry fits in. Like Carberry for me is a phenomenal player, but he's not demanding. He's not dictating. He's just not playing as well as you'd hope he would play. You you know he can play. So I think there's an opportunity for Kieran Frawley, even ahead of the other two so-called second string uh, um, uh, out halves. I think th- I think it's a good opportunity for him. Mm. Fiona. And, and, and sorry, and getting back to the idea of what Farrell was asking, testing players for future tests or testing players at this elite level, I think someone like Kieran Frawley fits into the first one. He's being prepared potentially to be a test player. Mm. Yeah, but I suppose, Liam, with that, if that is the case going into a World Cup, you'd wonder how much rugby he will get then back at Leinster at 10. Do you know what I mean? I suppose with, with the quality they have in there. But what he definitely, I thought, Joe, he stepped up to the, the play today at times. I thought he started well. Um, he he played deep. He played on the game line, exactly like uh, Liam said. But a, a couple of times as the game went on, I was a bit disappointed when Ireland were attacking inside in 22. And I suppose he, he's every opportunity and every right to, to try. he done a couple of kick throughs or crossfield yeah. kicks when I thought Ireland might have been better off to hold on to that ball because they hadn't really got through enough phases. I understand if they had penalty advantage or there was different things, you know, there, but I, I, I just thought he might have given that ball away too soon um, at times. But but I'm happy these are the games you tried in and, and I thought he looks confident at times and I thought he, he worked really well with Casey as well. Mm. And and just an aside, I suppose Harry Burns played four times at 10 this year. This is the issue with the mm. bottleneck at Leinster. So the injury situation is dire now, very quickly. Dire is a strong word, but I suppose, again, the early sense you get of a tour, these kind of setbacks are bad omens. James Hume picked up an injury today. Jimmy O'Brien picked up an injury today. And Keane Healy most certainly did. His one looked uh, the most serious. And as we know, Ian Henderson gone for the series. And Rob Herring and Harry Byrne are nursing injuries at the moment is the word. And then we should touch on the Jeremy Lockman uh, situation. So Lockman... He was carrying early on in the game. He was bent at the waist and he seemed to carry with his head into the opponent. Uh, great shots at the commentary and he looked to be um, stumbling and, and had to be helped off the pitch and was very shaky on his feet. And I think it was a surprise to most people that he came back after the HIA, which Andy Farrell said afterwards was conducted by an independent doctor after he was helped from the pitch. So he, he did come back on and then he was removed at half time. I had understood it that the rule was any player showing clear signs of concussion or suspected concussion must be removed from the field of play without returning. Now, if that is the rule, and that's the rule as I do understand it, Liam, I don't understand how Jeremy Lockman came back onto that pitch today. Yeah, yeah. either way, if he hadn't come off, it would have been, I assume, uncontested scrums, which would have, in many ways, probably would have suited us because our scrums struggled a little bit. So I, I can only take a face value that the medical team and the Irish management did their job and I think history would show us that they do do that so in the absence of knowing any different it'd be foolish for me to comment I think but it does beg a question um, but I I should hope that I, I'd be very surprised if 
all the eyes weren't dotted on this particular one. Uh, mm. Particularly, the the Irish medical system has been very strong in it. So I'd be I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I'm I'm. It's more I think questions may be asked. And the HIA was conducted by an independent doctor, yes. and clearly Lockman seemed to pass that. But it's just when the rule, Fiona, is concussion or suspected yeah. concussion. I just don't. That's always the. Uh, the contrast for me or the, um, the, the the kind of the tension for me in this rule is like suspected concussion passed a HIA but the rule is if it's a suspected concussion yeah. you go off so I just don't understand and I think we've become accustomed to in those instances like Lockman a player even sometimes passing the HIA but being kept off anyway so it caught the eye certainly this morning yeah, definitely. I was in a, a group WhatsApp and we were all watching the game and it was like everyone just presumed and everyone was shocked when, when Lockman came back on. I think even he had to kind of lean on Barnes for a second when he mm. when he did get up. He he leant on Wayne Barnes. So it was it was crazy. But as you said, an independent doctor, um, you know, like I know p- p- you know, it's you said exactly what the, the law is there and they will definitely have to look at that because if you see someone wobbling, that's immediately a suspected concussion. But obviously Lachman, 90 seconds into his uh, he's, uh, game, he's not going to be saying, um, yeah, I think I, I'm after wobbling there. He's probably saying he's all right. So it, it's trying to get that balance. And I suppose just have it, have it what if there's a wobble there, it, it's a no-go area because I know it, it's it's big in the game at the minute and they're really going to have to sort these out, these in out. Yeah, and I should say I'm not calling any individual into question here. I'm more saying it caught the eye and maybe a question should be asked or certainly maybe a question of the law should be asked because, like I said, there is something contradictory between passing a HIA but then suspected concussion and that's a, a lingering issue for the game. As to what it means, Liam, for the Irish front row, so Keane Healy with the injury, um, Andrew Porter, Danshi and Tyke Furlong will start and then in terms of support, let's assume for a second Lockman is ruled out and Healy is out. So that leaves Bealham to cover Loosehead and then Tom O'Toole, who played the full 80, will cover Tighthead. Is that about where we are? It's suddenly very thin already, isn't it, Liam? Yeah, and I think we in Ireland have lost the sight of the importance of the scrum and maybe sometimes because of uh, we get fatigued by watching resets and that. But one of the things I would have observed in the last closing weeks of, of the of the competitive fixture is how well used the front five uh, bench are being used. I think Leinster aired in the European uh, Cup final in not getting fresh legs on. So the importance of having props who can come on with 20 minutes or half an hour or 10 minutes to come on and be able to not just do a mediocre job, but actually add value, get eke out that scrum penalty or prevent a scrum penalty. So it's an enormous thing. So what you've just casually asked, Joe, and I know you're not casually asking it, has an enormous impact on the success or failure of this series and ultimately enormous in- impact on the success and failure of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. We play South Africa in a with 10 minutes to go in a playoff of the World Cup. They are going to go for one thing, which is eke out scrum penalties. The value of a tight head and the value of a loose head mm-hmm. is enormous. I mean, it's nice that they can play rugby, but we need scrummaging tight heads and we don't necessarily have scrummaging. A huge questions over Tom O'Toole. Is he that level? Who knows? The only way to find out is this week. Now, we know that the All Blacks have held back some of their departing All Blacks to Europe for this series. So we know they're, they're saying scrums are very important. And I think we have kind of casually, as, as viewers, 
I've always been a massive fan of I hated scrummaging, but I've always been a massive fan of the concept. And I think this really brings into stark view the importance of scrum of props who can scrum. And if they can catch a ball beyond that, great. Yeah. But the primary role is you need to be able to scrum. And we're going to see that in tough, tough contrast this weekend. Yeah. Fiona, I suspect you agree. There's a stark question to be asked here, and it's with that supporting cast up front, it's hard to see Ireland beat New Zealand in any of these three games. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the front row, and I think we a lot of people talked about that as well, Joe. When the when the team was when the squad was announced, and that's a, an area where we're probably looking at the World Cup where we're where we're a bit weaker, especially in our bench. That front three coming on, but I suppose now is the opportunity to get these guys game time against the against the the big teams and the All Blacks, and you know who probably wouldn't be as physical as a as a French scrum or well they might argue, but you know the French scrum or or, or the South African scrum but but I do think they're going to have to fly over a couple of guys as well I, I would imagine you might see Josh Witcherly going over because look it's if Lachman is out and they're, and they're going into these three tests they're going to need front row you need guys to be able to come on and we can't do what Leinster did with, with Porter and Tyke Furlong we can't absolutely flag these guys they've been flagged by by their province all season so so they need to look fresh going into every game and, and that probably means coming off around the 55 minute mark and hopefully they stay in injury free as well Hmm. How do you see Saturday then? I <laughs> um, look. I think it's going to be a completely different ball game. I think Saturday is the game that Ireland would probably have the best chance of winning. Everyone's going to be fresh. They've seen um, this Maori team. Guys have had a run out. Some guys might make the bench that done well um, today. But um, I think it. I think we'll expect a lot physical more game. And if Ireland can get that battle up front, if they can sort their discipline out, that was a huge area. I, I couldn't believe the amount of penalties and especially offside penalties. It was crazy, Joe. And I think mm. you can frustrate this All Blacks team if they're the ones giving away penalties. If, if they can front up physically and they can keep their discipline playing and their kicking game is much better than we saw um, there today I think they'll definitely be in with a shout I think it'll be a closer match and, and hopefully Ireland will get the win in this first set At Eden Park as well Liam we should mention I mean it's a, a, almost a, a sign of respect, uh, a break with tradition they generally finish these kind of tours at Eden Park but they're, uh, they've obviously sensed that the vulnerability on their part can be in that first test so let's bring them to Eden Park where uh, famously New Zealand unbeaten since 1994 so that's a, a factor I mean it, it's hard to know why it's a factor but it just is a factor so I don't know you said 2 of 5 was your expectation at the start like there's a chance here we're 0 for 5 isn't there? Well, there's always a chance as uh, bigger, bigger, ch- bigger chance than we might like <laughs> yeah. bigger yeah. chance than we yeah. might like no? Yeah um, I thought 2 or 2 or 5 because I was worried about the injury profile uh, now back in the old days when Ireland went toured in 92 half the team ruled themselves out before they even went to New Zealand yeah. so and they had played in, in a patch together team a lot of guys got a lot of caps and deservedly so because of that but the injury profile is going to have an impact and that front five is going to have an impact so team selection this salary is massive James Ryan who is obviously a super player like he has to become a man in this series like you think of you think of uh, Johnson, the the English um, uh, second row captain, who um, in two thousand three when he lifted the World Cup, there's a man. Now he was at a slightly later stage of his career, but James Ryan has to step into that, has to step into owning the fixture, and he has to grow into it. So it's a massive series. I think it's a massive series for James Ryan, 
And if James Ryan isn't dominating, then you've got to start looking at who is going to dominate. So team selection is very, very important. Uh, the second row and back row, the front row picks itself. I think what Andy Farrell has to show this weekend is that at some point in time in a fixture, Tyke Furlong isn't the best tight end in the world because of fatigue. How do you get the bench to really impact this fixture? And I think that's really important ingredient for the, the three tests coming up, but especially this Saturday. How, when is the right time to take off Tyke Furlong? And who's coming on for him? The second row, their performance and their combination, who's going to be in that second row? But I do think that James Ryan has to look at, like Sir Martin Johnson said, that's the player I want to be this series. And then the back row, uh, like Conan, who was a, a test lion, is, his form has dipped in the last number of weeks. So what are they, what's, the, what's the back row combination they're going to pick there? And then are they going to have a two-split or a five-three split on the bench? Traditionally, we have a 5-3 split. Mm. Maybe it might be no harm to look at a 6-2 split this weekend. Mm. When you say James Ryan step up and be a man and dominate, maybe expand on that. What have you seen over the last year or 18 months that's given you some cause for concern? Well, he arrived, it was outrageous. He won the first 50 caps or whatever, 20 caps he played in. He won the European Cup. Everything he did, everything he fit into a system that work well for him and he worked well for the system. Whereas when the system isn't quite working, you you need, and like that's one of the things about today. If I was a playing today and, and it wasn't working, I'm not going to change because I wasn't that type of player. But you look to, in my day, you look at like, a you know, the big, the Malcolm O'Kellys and the Trevor Brennans and these guys, the, the real physical guys who really you're going to dominate and, and meet whatever comes down the corridor and smash it. James Ryan has to, in a way, understand that one of his roles is to meet whatever comes down the corridor head on and really smash it. And if you look at, say, someone like Kean Prendergast today, he worked his socks off and he did a lot of scrag tackling and that, but he didn't land a massive hit. Mm. And sometimes you need a second row to come into a breakdown and just clear the whole lot. Like the, the, the South African French second row, what's his name? Villeneuve? What's his name? Villeneuve. Like, he just knocks the whole stadium over by himself. Now, Ryan isn't physically the same size, but he has to have the same attitude, and he has to start dominating that. And that's when you want, that's what you want to see from your second row. Because ultimately, a, a second row's role yeah. is to create opportunities for other people to play. And sorry, because I, I, Fiona, I'm coming to you on when you do take Furlong off in a match in just a moment. That is the, the pertinent question, Irish Rugby. Is it not just said of Ryan increasingly lean that he just is of a certain size for international second row and, and there's only so much he can do in that department. Absolutely. So he has to figure out how he is going to impact the fixture as opposed to allowing the fixture to kind of miss him a little bit. Okay. And in, the, in the, he's opening, say, 20 performances at European level and Ireland level. He was right there. He was on the ball. He was shifting his feet. He was gaining yards. He was adding value to the ball. He was, his lineup was super. He was adding real value. At times when Ireland don't perform, and they will be over this three-set test series where they're not, things aren't going to go its way. I have found that Ryan sometimes struggles to dominate mm. in whatever way that is, mm. and that's what you're looking for. It's it's futile comparing him to a South African second row because physically he isn't that size. Mm. But how is he influencing the game? So you watch the game on Saturday and you say, well, how is this guy 
really impacting the fixture. Okay. And that's what I'd love to see from him. Okay, well, we'll watch that closely. I think you're on the show on Sunday, so we, we might come back to that conversation and uh, chat about that. As as for Tyke Furlong there, Fiona, Liam asked the question. So you've Tom O'Toole on the bench and you've Tyke Furlong, who has a lot of rugby under his belt increasingly. I mean, what, we've been leaving him out there for 70 minutes, 75 minutes, 78 minutes. Uh, you can see why. What do we do yeah. with Furlong? Because you got to manage him. I think you're just going to have to bite the bullet and and really try and get that front row, you know, all three often between that 55 and 60 minute mark. If you want these guys on the bench to, to start performing at that high level, they've got to be experienced in those scrums. They've got to be in there and doing it. And we saw there it's, it, you know, you're coming on with five, six minutes as a sub. You're probably only doing one, two scrums. So if you like, Tom O'Toole's after getting 80 minutes under his belt, yeah, but he, he'll be arrested. If you could get a good, if you could get a good 20 minutes out of him, you know, that gives Tyke Furlong, you know, you say to him, you absolutely empty the tank for 60 minutes. I don't think any of the front three have been told, look, this is what I want you to do. We've seen how effectively it works for, for France and South Africa. They're probably told, they're probably guaranteed 56 minutes you're going to be off this pitch. So in the back of your head, you know that every time you're you're constantly emptying that tank, emptying that mm. tank. whereas with, the, with with these front rows, Joe, I, I, I don't think they have any idea. You know, they they know that they're anchored the scrum. They know it, it, it's really good. And the guys coming on maybe at times have given away scrum penalties. So it's working really, really hard with these guys to come on mm. that are going to be fresh, but getting them holding that scrum, be it anchoring the scrum, holding it, and just tell them do their thing then around the pitch. But I, I, I do believe that it's these three tests. If we want to be going into a World Cup with um with a bench that we're absolutely um you know delighted and positive that can come on and make a difference, it's these tests and it's coming into November. They're going to have to get those get those minutes under their belts. Mm. Oh, it's tricky, Joe. You're, sorry, yeah. Joe. Just Joe. Just an example of that was yeah. in, the, in the European Cup final. Uh, Ross Maloney came off with. I don't know, six, seven minutes to go yeah. uh, for McCarthy. Now, I think this guy, Joe McCarthy, is a unit. Like, I think he can really do well, right? But Ross Maloney was nearly wheelbarrowed off the pitch. He was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. Now, you kind of ask yourself, what value is Ross Maloney to the outcome of this fixture if he's in that physical state, emotional state and mental state? And what value has Joe McCarthy to the fixture six minutes to go? Finding that sweet spot, and I think Leinster probably struggled in finding the sweet spot of maximising the 23 players they had in order to win the match. Yeah. Now, the Leinster starting 23 has the benefit of like a Keane Healy on the bench, for example. This Irish side, ironically, might have a weaker subs bench on the front row than a Leinster would have. So it is a balance, and I think it's an important balance we're not getting right at the moment. Yeah, it's very tricky. I mean, you just know, you just know without them ever coming out and saying it, there's times, even in the Six Nations, where Furlong must be in the red zone, must be slowing down, and yet Ireland are up by two points. We're in the 65th minute. Oh, just another five. Just give me another five. Oh, just give me another two. Oh, just give me another, just another. And, and, you know, you can just see it's very hard to pull that trigger. So, A props uh, worst easy. nightmare, Joe. A props worst nightmare. <laughs> uh, well, listen. Enjoy the trip. Fiona, are you going for all three tests? I am indeed, Joe. Oh yeah. my God. You're going to come home with shell of a woman. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm getting my rest and recovery now before I go. Wow. Not since the Lions tour of 05 will you start to feel the cold. Um, <laughs> That's it. Uh, amazing. Enjoy. That should be great. Thanks so much. And we'll, we'll check in at some stage. And Liam Toland, always a pleasure. I think we're chatting on the show on Sunday, Liam. So we'll have plenty to talk about then, I suspect. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it.
Cheers, Take care, Joe. Joe. Take care, Fiona. There you are. Fiona Hayes and Liam Tolan with us on Wednesday Night Rugby. Our rugby coverage and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.